0: Welcome to the Cup for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay. I'm joined by Eric Stearns, and we're digging into my message from Sunday, which was interesting for lots of reasons. Uh, Sunday was one of those Sundays where we did everything we don't know how to do uh, because we celebrated All Saints Sunday. We celebrated a baptism. We celebrated communion. And we also had time for a little bit of a sermon. And so we're going to be digging into what that process looks like when when the timing of church gets crazy, and then just digging into the things that did get left behind on the cutting room floor for this week's sermon so let's get into it sounds good we got done with church and scott richmond looked at me because scott was running the slides back there so he knows how long my sermon was and he Mm -hmm. said you know pastor you did a pretty good job of stuffing a 10 gallon sermon into a five gallon bucket and i was like (laughs) thanks you know i i definitely got i got i got most of what i wanted and uh yeah so Yep. So
1: does that just come with time? I mean that that to me that's a real skill that you can take a sermon and on the fly be able to start hacking at it and still make it fluid, right? So yep. what does that look like? I mean do you have cues like what?
0: Yeah, like so especially because I preach with slides um and like um so I've got my sermon up so I can actually just share my screen for the folks that are watching this via video. Um, so like I work off of a manuscript, like I, I write a manuscript. I don't have the manuscript with me in, in, in church, but the person running slides, this is what they get. Like they know, like okay. and so those highlighted things are my cues. I want this slide when I say that phrase. And so I will write that phrase verbatim when I want it. Uh, or Teresa, whoever's running slides knows that that's the slide that I want. And I like, when I write my notes, um, I wrote, I write those in a different color. So I know they're coming up and okay. I kind of know what's around them. And I know how to prompt the tech person into um, getting the slide on the screen that I want. And then just, and and then I know like what I can cut because I'm going to continue to have tech people that want to actually do this and not feel frustrated. And you know, just, oh, Clay just does whatever he wants to do. He gives us this. I don't, don't even know why. Um, if I want to keep them, and also it's just good preaching. Cause like, these are my anchor points of like, I'm going to transition to something when the slide moves, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I know what's around it that I can be like, um, I can, you know, this is probably four or five sentences. Here's what I really want to say in those sentences and then just cut it down from there. But sure, because sure. I am who I am as a person, um, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that will use 10 or 12 words when one will do and, Um, You know, Pastor Stephanie that I do sermon series with every once in a while, it drives her crazy because I'm an expander and she's a condenser. And so like when I was in seminary, be like, okay, cool. We have a 15 page paper. I'm on page 16. Awesome. And she would be there sitting and sitting and saying, oh, We have a 15 page paper and I'm on page nine and I'm done. I'm just done, you know? And so we, we, we have this, this counter style where I can be like, okay, could you read this? So I know what to cut. And then she can send me her stuff. And she says, can you read this? So I know what to expand. And so we were able to share that way, but like, but because I know my pivot points, I know what can, I know what I need in order to make the next point make sense. Basically. So and sometimes I do it successfully and other times I re-record the sermon. I opted this week to not re-record because I think it did flow together well enough.
1: I thought um, it flowed very well, yeah. Good.
0: I'm glad. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Kind of yeah. along those lines of expanding. As an engineer, we we are very concise. If you don't need any extra, we're not gonna put it in, right? Sure. I struggle writing a sermon that's any longer than like eight minutes. Yeah. Because yeah, I, you people are smart that I'm talking to. You can figure out what I'm yeah, I don't need to say anything extra. But then I listen to you and I'm like, yeah, I should do more of that.
0: You, you preach a very good sermon. Like, well, by I'm the fine. way, like, I know that you know that for me, but you know, I do, I, I, there's a reason why I keep asking you because you're good at it and you, you, you're, you're consistent and you're consistently good. One of the major things that got cut is like dealing with where does Boaz come from? Cause like, Oh yeah. You know, I talked, I mean, I made the, the, the big connection is that Ruth's story connects to Jesus. Like that's the overarching thing I wanted us to see is like, there is a legacy of faithfulness in Ruth's lineage that goes all the way from Moab and false gods to Jesus, which is the, you know, as big of a spectrum as you can imagine. Boaz's story is just as interesting and like Boaz's lineage is just as interesting and it just proves that the family of God is so messed up. Like Boaz being involved in this entire story when he is the son of a prostitute like as we mm. as, as in Matthew's gospel um this is what really got cut on Sunday is is Boaz's lineage lineage and Boaz's heritage um because we learn in Matthew's gospel that he is the son of Rahab the prostitute and Rahab the prostitute might sound familiar to you if you're reading through the old Testament, because back in the old Testament time, Rahab helped the spies that were spying on Jericho. Like we, we know her from the story of scripture and we know how important she was to Hebrew success in Jericho. Um, You know? And so now you have another tie into this, like this lineage traces all the way to Jesus. And it starts because of a prostitute's son. And like, when we think about the family of God and who we're supposed to be, the son of a prostitute doesn't really like raise to that level. (laughs) But yet here's God working this magnificent work through Ruth, a Moabite and the, you know, who, who worshiped false gods growing up because that's what you did. And did in Moab and Boaz, who is the son of a, again, the son of a prostitute, like, this is the family that God was working in the midst of, like, and then and then Boaz ties back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Boaz ties all the way back to the patriarchs, you know, and so there's a heritage of faithfulness that we are now called forth to live forward. And even if we're a little bit messed up, it's okay because the family of God has always been messed up. So that's what got, that's, that's the, the heart of what got cut on Sunday. Like I still made the larger point that Ruth connects to David and David connects to Jesus and Jesus connects to all of us, but there's just so much more nuance going on in that situation that I wasn't able to get to.
1: Hmm. So, should we back up and like talk about who Naomi is? Sure. Yeah, we can totally do that. Cuz I'd be interested to, to hear about that.
0: Yeah. So we learn in in um in chapter in Ruth chapter 1 um that there is a woman named Naomi um that has moved from this, and actually it starts a couple generations earlier. It it starts because of famine and not the same famine as not the same famine as Joseph and like, you know, Genesis 50. Mm-hmm. This is later, this is a different famine, but the family moves from their ancestral home in Bethlehem away to the town to the area of Moab. and that's where they establish life because there's there's farmland and there's there's the ability to be gainfully employed and the ability to for their families to eat and thrive and in, in actual physical health. And so Naomi marries um, Elimelech, um, who is a Moabite um and like they end up having kids um they have Mehilon and Chilion and they take wives Ruth and Orpa and then everybody dies um we're not really told what they died from we're just told that everybody dies Alimelech uh, dies Mehilon dies Chilion dies and these three women are left alone and like in that day and age that's just such a that's such a vulnerable I mean even in our day and age that's a vulnerable place for someone to be so Naomi's like I don't really belong here at all. I I only stayed because I met Elimelech and, you know, had a family and that's, you know, that's kind of how life works now that you, you find Mm -hmm. a place and establish yourself. And that's just where you stay until you lose all your ties. And what do you do then? What do you do when your world has just been completely rocked by losing your husband and both of your sons? I'd want to go home too. I'd want to go home too. I'm going to move back to Bethlehem because I have family there, because I'll have support there, because I'll have care there in a way that I don't have now. And that's where it gets into Ruth and Orpah have to decide what to do. And like, they both say, we're going to go. And Naomi says, no, why would you do that? You are young. You belong here. You're a part of this. You are a Moabite. I'm not we're we're different I have my beliefs in God of you know in in Yahweh the 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 faith that I was taught as a as a child and you don't have that you worship the false gods of the people here and so they have to decide what they're going to do and Orpah listens to Naomi Naomi said stay and Orpah's like all right cool I can establish life again here. I'm sure we're not told this because that's the last we hear about Orpah in the Bible, but there's room to imagine that she met somebody else and had a family and did the things because that's what Ruth does just in Bethlehem rather than in Moab. Um, And so Ruth has to say, not only am I going to go with you, I'm going to become one of your people. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your God will be my God. I will worship God as you worship God because that's an important part of my life. And because this is how you worship God here in this place. And so she begins to worship Yahweh. She begins to worship God in a way that is Hebrew, you know? And so Mm -hmm. then she's, and then she even has to go on and say, Don't ask me to leave you again like Naomi has been you know Naomi has been so insistent that the girl's just need to stay and Ruth has to say no stop saying that because I'm not I'm I'm not staying
1: so so Ruth you know starts to worship God is this is this I mean that that was not um common right so Correct. Or a non-Hebrew to be worshipping a Hebrew God had to be very uncommon. Very, very
0: uncommon. Like, even to the days of Jesus, like, it is not until very, like, into the story of the disciples. Like, um, Peter and Cornelius in Acts 10, like God has to give Peter a dream that says, hey, stop calling these animals unclean because I made them and stop calling people unclean because I made them. Salvation is bigger than just the Jewish people. Salvation is bigger than just the Hebrew, you know, the the Hebrew lineage. That was earth shattering in Mm -hmm. New Testament. That was earth shattering to the disciples. But God's already been doing that Back in, back in the Hebrew Bible, back in the, back in the, in their, in their history. But yeah, that was definitely very uncommon.
1: So that's what I was getting at. I mean, is this kind of the first indication of that?
0: One of yeah, definitely. Definitely. One of like, when it ties back to the Joseph series because like Potiphar was cool with Joseph worshiping God, not because Potiphar was cool with God, Potiphar was cool with the benefits of Joseph worshiping God because that made him so financially successful and made, by extension, Potiphar so financially successful. But this is Ruth abandoning her beliefs in order to follow what we believe as the true God. That's very different cuz like yeah. even when the prophets start to be when the prophets start to rise up they're calling their own people back to faithfulness first mm-hmm. like they are demonstrating to people that have that, that were hebrew folk that started worshipping other gods to come back rather than and if and if they had that effect of bringing people from the outside into it cool but that's not what they're really for like the prophets were being raised up to call god's own people back to faithfulness not necessarily sure. call other people to faithfulness. Hmm. That's a great point. Good question.
1: So, you know, um, the efforts of the apostles and Paul and or the disciples and Paul and all of that, you know, is is to get everyone to come. Mm-hmm. Um, in a and so that just really wasn't a goal of the hebrew people prior to jesus was it
0: no not at all interesting not at all they were very insular focused like they i mean especially in the in the days of jesus they're they're still reeling from the exile and they're so focused on following god's law that they want to make sure that they have it right you know because everyone else can go to hell in a handcart as far as they're concerned but they're going to follow the law of god because their predecessors did such a terrible job of it and so, mm-hmm. like, that's where you have the hedge laws and, like, you know, the, here's the actual law, but here's the thing you can't really do that was that was to protect God's law, um, mm-hmm. you know. And that, that, that was their entire focus, was making sure that they were correct and had nothing to do with expanding the kingdom of God until Jesus gets on the scene.
1: It almost feels like we're going to protect ourselves. We're going to take care of ourselves before we take care of others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And like, there's a, there's a part of that where like, we have to, I mean, this is what Paul says to one of the churches. We have to work out our own salvation with fear and Mm -hmm. trembling. Like we have to, we, we, we have to be right with God, but what Paul and the apostles are helping us see is that to be right with God, we have to be reaching out to the next person. We have to be extending God's love. You know, that's, that's how that works. The, those two, those, those two things are tied together intrinsically. And that's what the Hebrew people did not see at the time. Yeah. One of yeah. the things they did not see at the time.
1: That's good. What else did you cut?
0: Anything um, good? I think that like, even in the writing process, like I don't think that I got as much into like, cause this is, this is supposed to be part of our stewardship series of like, you know, mm-hmm. how we use our time, talent and treasure to build a legacy of faithfulness. Um, so I didn't necessarily get as much into that as I wanted to, um, just because I knew m- what my time constraints were going to be like. Um, and so I guess the, the question I would have to ask, um, is just, you know, as you think about the his- history of the church, uh, of the Canton church and you, you know, more of the history than I do, because you've been here for 30 some odd years and I've been here for three,
1: you know, mm-hmm. we're
0: getting there. um, but, uh. <laughs> But, you know, so, like, what are some of the decisions, like, that, that you can think back on of people really taking a, a leap of faith, um, of, of really stepping up into faith in order, in, in stepping up in their faithfulness in order to leave that legacy of faithfulness to the next generation?
1: Sure. Well, I jump to building projects first. Mm-hmm. Um, and Teresa, Geiper, our treasurer, will always say this, we're always really good at, at building projects, right? But people have always, always seen the brick and mortar of our facility as a way to make sure that our church lasts a lifetime, you know. And so I think back to the 1996 edition, the parsonage and the parking lot, the concrete parking lot. You know, we did that in, oh, that was 2018, wasn't it? 19, somewhere around there. Ballpark, yeah. Ballpark. You know, and, and the impact or knowing that doing those things will have a positive impact on the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and all three of those I think are pretty easy to see how they can have a positive impact, you know. Definitely, in the I mean, that parsonage was falling apart when they built this one. Um, yeah, lots of different things, but or yeah. you know, even um, buying the whole block, you know, yeah. It, it, at one point there was a there was a house that we did not own at the time we still we own it now um and just seeing having a vision to see what that could become you know in the future we we may not necessarily be there now in, right. in transforming that part of the block into something else but right now it right. it's it's a good ministry for us to have a have a house there and have someone be able to live there you know I mean? It is.
0: I mean, and, be, and because housing in Canton is such a huge issue, like, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're on the Canton, like the Canton Helping Canton or the Canton Pay It Forward pages, it's just like every third post is, is there any place in this town that's for rent? And like the fact mm-hmm. that we have a house, like, and we have a fantastic renter, we we we're we're providing something that this community truly does have a need for, even in in having that Randall House. Yeah, I think that that's a huge. We may not always see that as a missional thing, but I think that is definitely a missional thing.
1: Right. So yeah, um, those are the things that I that jump off the page right away.
0: Yeah, um, for sure. Other
1: things, I think you know, you mentioned the turkey supper on on Sunday, or maybe you, yeah, maybe you didn't, that was a couple anyway. of
0: weeks. That was a couple weeks ago, but yeah,
1: yeah. One thing that has always, you know, the turkey supper has been around forever. Um, and it just seems to keep going. Now we're, we're getting to the point where the people who run that need, you know, are about at the age that need to be replaced at some point. Yep. Um, and so it's time for someone, you know, that next generation to step into that role of leadership, mm-hmm. but, it, but it's something that's always been there. It's something that the community knows is the Thursday prior to Thanksgiving. Um, and will always be there for them to come and have a meal. Um, and fellowship with people from the community so it's always been a really good definitely. a good um just a good outreach for our church mm-hmm. yeah definitely
0: definitely and like and then that turns into scholarships for seniors that are heading mm-hmm. off to school um from our from our church and i think that's such a such a cool way of being supportive and and building that legacy of faithfulness to the next generation of saying your church is behind you as you decide to extend your education beyond Canton high school. Right. And West Lyon high school and, you know, Alcester Hudson Mm -hmm. high school. And we've had some, you know, different folk from that are, Mm -hmm. are a part of our church that don't necessarily just go to school in Canton.
1: That's a really good point. Um, Mm -hmm. How about from the outside looking in?
0: Yeah, I just think I mean, I think of the building projects, but I think of in terms of the decision to go from uh, Third and Dakota to to our current site, like Mm -hmm. I would I would love to be a time traveler and be a part because like they ended church in the bu- in the old building and walked and sang and prayed to the new building like or to the to the to the side of the new the side of the new building or to the new building itself i think is how that goes yep. but like i would have loved to been been a part of that you know to to you know to, that's a huge step of faithfulness i mean to go from a building that has been, you know, we've we've had two buildings in in, in 150 some odd year of our history of our church, we've had the building on Third in Dakota, which is now City Hall, and we've had our our building since 1966. Like that, those are huge, huge steps, and I just I, I so appreciate the vision and the foresight that we had you know, to, to build in, in that location and then to systematically own the block as well, because it just does. I mean, we're, we're a focal point right on fifth street, you know, like mm-hmm. when I have friends coming through town, where's your church? Where's your church? Just hang on highway 18 and stay there. You'll run into it. You know, you really, mm-hmm. we, we own the block. You can't miss it, you know? And so, yeah, I just, I, that's, that's the, the, the biggest one that comes to mind for me because that could not have been an easy decision. I don't know our history well enough. I need to talk to your mom more about this, but like, I don't know if it was a space issue, like, or were we running out of space? Was that building, you know, it was, you know, about a 80 year old building at that point in time. So I'm sure there were limitations and, and, you know, things that were becoming too hard um, to, to maintain to have the vision and the foresight to really say, we're going to completely just pick up and move. And then, to, to faithfully make that change and and you know and to be excited about it i just think is such a really cool thing
1: our building has always been able to provide so many things to the community
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: it's always yeah. a space that everyone is willing or you know, wants to use One, yeah for the location two for the quality of the building three the size of the rooms that we have available um Yep. And I just think that's such a I, cool thing that we can offer that to the community.
0: Yeah, definitely. I just think that the that the hospitality that we provide as well along the mm-hmm. way. I think that's pretty telling of who we are as a congregation.
1: Well, let's see. Next week would be week three. Yes. This series. Yep. What and so next
0: we are gonna be talking, kind of digging into even more of the nuts and bolts of legacy. And we're just gonna ask the question, how do we how will we be remembered? Um, and we're looking at a story from the gospel of Matthew, um, where um, it's, you know, it's, it's the party at Simon's house, uh, Simon, the leper, there's a, there's a party happening. Um, and Simon, the leper is the host. And there is some scholarship that suggests that, that Simon is hosting this party in celebration of his healing from Jesus. Um, and so he, that's how he's remembered. That is part of his legacy. Um, and then in the in the midst of this this gathering, a woman comes in and breaks up all j- the alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. and the disciples are yeah, are mad about it. They're mean about it. they're not they're not kind. Um, you know, and so it is Judas Iscariot, I know we're all surprised, that is the the <laughs> most vocal opponent. Um, and then after that, like it goes right from this scene at Simon's house, To to Judas before the high priest agreeing to to sell out Jesus. And like, what kind of legacy are we leaving? Mm -hmm. How is it that we want to be remembered? Um, And we're going to be looking to the example of like what Jesus says in response to this woman doing this. Like we don't know her name, but Jesus says everyone in history will talk favorably about you because of what you've done for me in doing this. And then there's Judas. Mm-hmm. And those are two very stark contrasts. And so we'll be digging into the nuts and bolts of that story, uh, the nuts and bolts of, you know, how people remember us and how we want people to remember us. Um, I have some pictures of some famous um, tombstone epithets to th- to show at the start of worship. I'm pretty excited about um, and then just digging into just, you know, what that says about who we are as God's people and the legacy that we truly are leaving, because that's, you know, at the nut, at the most basic level, uh, the, one of the definitions of legacy is just how people remember you. What will people say, you know, when, when you're gone and we, what do we say about Judas? Nothing, nothing too good. And what do we say about this woman? that she did this thing to honor Jesus and to thank Jesus. And it was over the top and it was extravagant and it was wasteful, but it didn't matter because in so doing, she proclaimed the love of God in her life. And so how can we, how, what, which example do we want to emulate and what does that look like to emulate the right example? Yeah. With our time, talent, and treasure. Sweet. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. That's
1: good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us in this week's Cut for Time podcast. Join us again next week in person at 10 a.m. at the church uh, on Facebook Live. We're back here for the podcast next week.
0: Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.